0: Welcome to the I Work in Fashion podcast, the show giving you the keys to turn your love for fashion into a career by interviewing the people in all areas of the industry today. I'm Maddie, your host and creator of this podcast, and for this first episode, I'm meeting on Zoom with fashion art director, Phil Buckingham. We discuss the importance of work experience, sharing your creative ideas, and the power of saying yes to any opportunity. Hi everyone, Uh, welcome to the I Work in Fashion podcast, the show exploring the many jobs of the fashion industry by interviewing the people who work behind the catwalks, magazine storefronts and much more. So um, for the very first episode of this series we have today art director, fashion art director uh, Phil Buckingham. So Phil is a British art director who has worked for The Face, British Vogue and net only to name a few, Um, but I'm sure you will be the best person to sort of like introduce yourself. Um, So hi, how are you, Phil?
1: I'm good, thanks. I'm really good. Thanks for inviting me.
0: Well, thanks for being the first guest on this podcast. It's really exciting. (laughs) Um, So can you maybe first like introduce yourself? Tell me about like what you're up to today? Um, at the moment
1: yeah Uh, well yeah I'm an art director I um, started in this industry about 20 years ago Um, I specialize in fashion imagery and yeah I really really love my job I really love the work that I get to do and yeah I'm really passionate about sharing that uh, you know with uh, aspiring art directors and people that want to get into the industry So I um, advocate for um, education in this area and, you know, really enjoy taking part in things like this to kind of, you know, open up uh, the possibilities for young people and, you know, old people, every people. Um, Yeah, so, um, yeah, today I'm speaking from my home in Brighton and, uh, yeah, I've lived here for like 13, 13, 14 years and, uh, yeah, I love living here and I love the separation between the city where I do most of my work abroad, and you know, sort of retreating home to uh, to be with my family, and um, yeah, so that's where I'm calling from today.
0: Yeah. Okay. Great. Um. So, did you like what was your dream job as a child? Like, I'm sure it wasn't probably art direction when you were maybe ten or something. But did you always want to like touch on fashion and like work in in the fashion industry when you were maybe like yeah, a teenager or something?
1: Yeah. Um, well, honestly, from a young age, I was always interested in, you know, uh, fashion and clothes and music. Um, I definitely had a few Barbie dolls, that's for sure. When I was a young kid, like my mum was all into getting me like the He-Man set and I was all about getting, you know, Barbie and her red Ferrari, which I know sounds like a cliche, but you know, I was always into this sort of more glamorous, let's say side of things, uh. I definitely had like a doll's head with hair that you could style, um, (laughs) and all that sort of thing. So it wasn't probably your typical little, you know, lad. But um, you know, nonetheless, I really, I've always really enjoyed that side of things, and uh, yeah, just had this ambition. I definitely had an ambition from a young age, or an idea that it. It wasn't even an idea, as you say at that point. it was more an interest, I suppose. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was always there. And um, I think I was inspired by, like, music videos. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Just And also as a teenager, yeah, um, films, music, magazines specifically, especially because I grew up in, like, a small town. So, um, yeah, I was always interested in, um, you know, what they had to present in terms of, like, you know, an aspiration for a lifestyle, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so, so today, like you said, you work in, like, fashion imagery. Um, but what is, what would you say if you had to, like, resume your role as an art director? I'm sure, obviously, it touches upon many different, like, your job touch, touches upon many different um, missions, But what is sort of like your role today? Like, what is your job today, basically?
1: Yeah. So, um, well, just to give you a little context. So I basically studied. So, you know, being that young kid and then translating that into a first work experience at school, which was um, at a fashion house, you know, a local one where I was living in the Yorkshire Dales. And um, basically, I got the, uh, the chance to do work experience and I joined um, the pattern cutter at this fashion house that made sort of like, like prom dresses, I suppose. And um, yeah, basically that at the age of 15 was my first work experience. And then that gave me, well, I got back to school and, you know, everybody else had, you know, either done some or not really taken it seriously or, you know, whatever they did. And um, yeah, I was really like, I found it like a powerful experience to go into a real working situation, which wasn't, which I felt, you know, I could be part of that. And so, yeah, I really advocate for work experience and getting that experience firsthand. Um, so I basically used that opportunity to, um, you know, um, help me decide what uh, what uh, path to follow after that in further education and I chose to do art and design, and um, and then during the course of that, I then went more and more towards sort of a, you know, I was interested in doing fashion design. I tried for a couple of courses. I got as far as being interviewed, and then uh, when I got there, I was like actually, I, I'm just not sure I've got it. Fashion design that I want to do, so I d- then decided um, to do gra- uh, well, kind of more towards graphic design and uh basically did graphic design um or sort of did an art art and design btech then did a pathway into graphic design as a hmd uh when i finished that i decided i wanted to have a degree and i went uh i applied to london university to try and get on to a degree course into the third year um that that was quite difficult places like saint martin's and um other places that i aspired to go to so um because I didn't want to restart from the first year, I wanted to kind of do the third year and then to go into the industry. So I ended up at Middlesex University and did their visual communication degree and I joined the third year. And uh, that was when my, and obviously I enjoyed that and really wanted to get that degree because I realized how important it was, you know, going in further down the line and um actually the course was like just on the outskirts of it was sort of north london but quite far out last stop on the tube and um basically on that course you know i joined like a group who've already got to know each other so it was kind of like it was a bit um you know it wasn't the full university experience but the most the important thing was is that i was closer to the industry where i was going to launch my career and um I ex- had expressed interest in graphic design, uh, sorry, magazine design to my tutor. And um, one of the alumni was coming to the degree show and he was called Stuart Spaulding. And he was the art director of the Face magazine uh, during the time that I had read it. So I was really, you know, my tutor said, oh, Phil, you've got to get, go and speak to this person because they might be, the, you know, your break. And I was a bit cynical about doing the show because I truly didn't really think that those degree shows you'd really get, you know, anywhere. You were just kind of in a sea of other students. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a big room.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, you (laughs) know, it was quite cynical. And then anyway, I did the show and I kind of chucked a few things together and I found this old chair and kind of wrapped it in wire and put that there and put my portfolio on it and thought, oh, yeah, see what happens. And... uh, people you know of course people were wandering around it was like as i expected you know nothing's going to happen and but what i did do was get to chat to this guy and he said i'm going to launch this magazine for katie grand it's called um pop magazine it's like it's going to be published by the makers of the face and all this and i was buzzing with excitement of course of the prospects and uh, he said you know the reality is he's going to be making tin you're going to be cutting out you know minis and sticking them on the wall and you know you just going to be our you know um assistant for the summer so I chucked out my summer plans you know and basically signed up to do this um you know work experience and yeah basically it, it was that was the break it was you know it was really fortunate that I that I well I suppose there's that thing I just gravitated towards it because I knew it was my well you know the tutor said you might see this as an opportunity and it definitely was anyway so I did this five weeks of those guys they were great it was really interesting to be around someone like Katie Grant who was kind of like you know um, a force in the industry and um, you know and see like what kind of culture they had going there and um, yeah basically once I was within the building of this magazine company um, the work experience ended I had a really you know interesting experience and then I put my CV on the wall and, um, you know, just uh, hoped that someone might see it and call me if they needed a similar or they had a similar opportunity. And that's what happened. Yeah, I basically got a call from one of the designers at the face. They said they wanted you know, someone to do some menial stuff for them. It was like scanning, um, you know, with like transparencies, which would they, they would then use to put into the magazine. And uh, I did... I did that for Arena Magazine, which is next door, which was like a men's style title, and i uh, did half with them and half with the face, and they paid me 50 pounds a week each. And uh and then I worked in a bar just down the road called Turnmills and finished with those guys at six, and then went to the bar at six thirty, had you know, like did a shift and then I just did that for a couple of years until the job came up and and You know, at that time, I think a load of friends were like, oh, my God, why would you get paid 50 pounds a week? You know, we could hardly pay the rent and whatever. But I just had this – I just knew it was going to turn into the career that I wanted. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: So you knew when you – yeah. When you did those experiences, you kind of – because obviously after – I'm guessing like after a few months, you must have been thinking, oh, maybe is there something better I could do like bigger because I find – For example, like when you do um, job experiences, when you're young, you feel like you have a lot of potential, even if you're young, you just come out of your studies. And yet, um, maybe you might do stuff like small jobs, obviously, because that's what they need you for. But then didn't you feel at some point like, okay, I need to like, get moving and do something better? Or was you just confident that after a while, I kind of like trust the process, like you just thought after a while, eventually, it's going to turn into something, you kind of just trusted the process i um, from what you're saying yeah
1: yeah i mean i did falter on that way i mean i i definitely learned to trust trust the process um i definitely faltered a couple of times because during the course of doing this you know like menial work and you know getting that kind of pressure that perhaps maybe your parents might be like why are you doing that or your you know <laughs> your you know your personal life says oh you know you know you're not making the rent or whatever um there was definitely time. Well, I did actually take, I did actually stop doing it and, uh, went to work at like fashion company. You know, like it was, I was trying at that time, like I was working in bars, which was easy because it's next door to the magazine. But then I also, um, wanted thought, or maybe I could work in like a fashion company. Like, you know, so I applied to work at diesel in Covent Garden and I sent my CV just speculatively thinking, oh, that could work. And, um, Anyway, they did get in touch and said, oh, we have a job, but it's in like the front of house in the headquarters of the company, it's in King's Cross, come and work there. And I thought, well, actually, the money's not bad. It's, you know, like 20 grand a year, not a lot, but, you know, something, enough. So, yeah. So I actually did stop for a moment, for like a couple of months and went and worked on this reception at the fashion company. And... Uh, almost immediately I knew I needed to go back to the magazine uh, company. I stuck out for a bit, com- trying to convince myself that this could be a job for me, but it was really just kind of like it just to- totally wasn't. Anyway, what ha- actually happened, I kind of wrote a kind of a begging letter, honestly, to the uh art director at the face, telling him I'd made this terrible mistake about you know going off to work at wherever and that I was desperate. I just knew I, it was my future career and I knew I had to come back and, you know, would they be willing, um, to take me on again and, you know, to perhaps give me the opportunity to, um, continue. And, um, yeah, I suppose maybe it did convince, I mean, I'm still friends with that person now who's just a brilliant creative director in his own right. And, you know, it's a lovely person. And, and I guess, I I don't know if they would remember this, but I certainly remember thinking it was like a begging letter. And, uh, I just remember thinking if I would have read that, I would have been like, yeah, this person actually, they really care about this. This is very important to them. And I would have been convinced. So, yeah, I always advocate like that as well. I mean, that was a key moment, I would say, that, that you have to kind of identify, you have to know and you have to show other people you're really passionate about what you want to do, you know, to encourage them or inspire them to help you.
0: Yeah. Okay. That makes sense um okay so you had uh so those job experiences and so did they take you back after at the face so you went back
1: Yeah. yeah yeah they did actually they took me back and I was with them for about I think maybe two years as a junior designer um it was you know it was a really nice atmosphere it was a brilliant team um they really fought for the artistic for the art and design of the magazine so you know they would they really challenged the editors with their point of view and that their opinion was really important it taught me a lot in that sense you know you actually have to stand up for what you believe in and bravely sort of you know put your opinion across because there's going to be moments where people are going to ask you as the creative person to explain why you're making that recommendation or why you know what's the reason you know um Obviously art is really subjective and I think art creative people maybe struggle with the idea of explaining their, you know, um work. But yeah, it was it was good exercise in that and good education in that. And then um weirdly, so things and here's another like um bit of you know experience that was powerful. So the magazine that I joined and everything it stood for, um w- Basically, the business sort of reevaluated its, you know, itself, and they decided to change the editor, and they wanted to change the direction, and it started to represent something different. So um, the people that I would sort of, you know, the aspiration had to be with them, and those people started to leave and migrate to other places. The magazine changed. One of the t- one of the art directors said to me, "Oh, I'm going to uh, got this opportunity in America. I'm going to leave the face and go there." um and I was thinking gosh I would do that you know I'd be up to that but I was scared because I was thinking wow I've landed my dream job straight after graduation and now I have to leave it I was thinking oh, I never saw this coming I just I felt so fortunate to be there I couldn't be, I'd never even thought of leaving it um so yeah basically he said um oh well you know I need someone over in the States because he had a couple of young children at that time. And he was just going to come over every, you know, just before publishing. him. And I just volunteered and he was like, are you sure? And I was like, I would, I would absolutely like do anything for this opportunity. So yeah, we made it happen. So I basically moved over to New York and, um, and set up this art department and live there while my um colleague graham would come over just before we were group to come out and we just corresponded you know over transatlantic and just built a really good you know system because we knew how to work together so yeah because i was gonna you know, say it was... like
0: it must have been quite difficult obviously because you were sort of like in charge in some ways because he wasn't there so you had to like um, I mean, the communication was must have been really important because you had to, like, do everything yourself with sort of, like, the indications that he would give you. And then towards, like, the end, he would, like, be, like, come and, and look at everything you had done. So it must have been, like, That's a lot right. of pressure, like, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, you know, it was proof that we'd worked, you know, that I'd learned a lot from them and and from that person because we had a good system for everything. And, I, you know, we trusted each other. And you know, I I guess I was a good sort of um disciple in a way, you know, I was really willing to kind of, you know, be led and like to like um to do the job that they were asking to the best that I could perform it. So and you know, the payoff for me was obviously it wasn't the ideal way to arrive to America because literally the salary was about twelve hundred, you know, a month or something in dollars. The rent was about eight hundred. So I was literally broke. But, you know, I have this inc- had this amazing experience that I'll never forget. And I would totally recommend anybody just to take the any opportunity that comes up and just take it, even though it's not ideal. Um, yeah, so um. anyway, so I lived there for a year. My girlfriend and I went over there and uh, she was a teacher at the time and she ended up walking dogs around Soho. And I was, you know, working in this like office with all these Americans who have, hilarious and great and uh you know we just lived in this tiny one room apartment in the east village and it was it was amazing memories you know and i'll never regret we always say how much we will never regret having done that because um when we returned home actually we ended up having children like the following year and you know we've been in a long relationship and it was just the right time for us to do that but i remember being in the states and thinking well but taken me like by that point about five years to establish myself, a little career, you know, career, or the beginnings of. And when you arrive in America, you think, you know, it's it's like you have to restart that process again. But we felt together, you know, if she wanted to get into teaching there, if we wanted to like emigrate there, then we would have had to like it would have taken another five years to get established again. So yeah, going back was like, I was like, oh God, but yeah, then the next chapter began when we got back. <laughs>
0: so yeah so you got back so how old were you when you got back from the states how old like when was that in your
1: yeah basically i graduated when i was 21 i went into the industry then uh that summer so then i turned 22 not long after then a couple of years at the face and then a year in the states when i was 25 and then we got back and then we had children when i was 26 and moved back to england um obviously and then had kids um, so, yeah, about 26 at that point. Um, but, yeah, the next chapter began in that um, I basically came back and worked at Dazed and Confused when I returned back to England. And I was really fortunate and felt really lucky to get that because they were like a family. It was a really brilliant place to work. Um, you know, and it was just very comfortable and easy to work there for years, like the years just floated by. It was, so um, how
0: did you how did you find this job like when you got back did you um have someone reach out to you and think oh I saw what you did maybe like how did you find that
1: well a bit like so basically once you're in the industry I mean it was it's quite a small world essentially I mean in terms of relativity the face and days were were close. um so you know of course I wanted to continue in this line of work and I was that's what I saw my future in and so I basically applied uh, to, to the um, art director there, and then I applied um, also. I think um, yeah, like a couple of design agencies that were working in music and fashion, um, ID magazine. You know, so you know places that were established. I, I put the feelers out. Let's say, yeah.
0: I see. Okay. Okay. Great. And so yeah. So days. How many years did you work there? I' days and confused
1: yeah it was definitely a couple, but as I say, it could have been about ten because honestly when you're when when it was when you were there, it was like being part of a family and you know some really influential people have come from there, like Katie Grand one started there with um you know the founders and then um that guy, Nico, can't if His flipping name there nicola Formich, Formichetti, the Italian creative director who was Lady Gaga's stylist. So he was there when I was there. Um, you know, just, um, you know, all these brilliant, you know, um, Robbie Spencer, the stylist was there. Um, all of these people. The thing is, in the industry, it's a really small world and you essentially end up meeting the same people again. Um, Sylvia Ferrego was the picture editor. She's now a really established, um, you know, producer in her own right and has this amazing, um, you know, portfolio. Uh, ben toms um all all of these great people anyway but um yeah it it, it was like a family it was like a family then i felt very comfortable but the thing that happened with days and i really enjoyed it for a couple of years um, but my personal circumstances changed so i've become a parent and you know i don't recall meeting many other parents there it was very much like of the net of the new of the now of the young generation and essentially what happened there I had a really good like uh Couple of years, and I was acting art director there for a time. So I'd kind of moved from like you know junior to like designer to art editor. And, you know, was making you know really good progress. I felt uh, but my yeah my personal circumstances changed, and so my, I had a bit of an identity crisis in that. I didn't know many other young parents, and um, I had to kind of get my head around that. And then the magazine was all about new generation and you know, the new generation of designers and, you know, people like um, like um, Nicola sort of represented this like new gen and they started to kind of come in and you felt a bit like you needed to kind of move out of the way to let them through because they had so much potential. And, you know, by that point, feeling like, you know, I was like 26, 27, I felt like old. Not old, but, you know, I felt like part of a different, yeah, ironic, but I felt like generationally generation is slightly different. So eventually I kind of got bumped out and it was a bit devastating at the time because, as I say, I was sort of dealing with, um, you know, my change of identity as a father. Um, but, you know, and I did actually have to sort of like reconcile this, the ages about about this change of things, because I hadn't really envisioned it coming. You know, I felt like um, a bit, you know, frightened. Um, but yeah all was well in the end. Essentially, um, the new generation came through. Or I moved on to other things after that. Like, I sort of moved into sort of more mainstream things after that. And uh, the new generation came through and, you know, they made a huge triumph of it. So, you know, I felt like eventually it all came good, but it was a bit hard at the yeah. time.
0: Yeah. And you must have like maybe questioned your yourself, even in your job, because obviously, like this new generation must have brought maybe different ideas, obviously, that's what you're saying, that you felt like maybe you didn't correspond to what they were looking for at the time, so you must have been like, okay, what do I do now in terms of, even your creative ideas, because I guess, obviously as like someone that is like someone who works with your ideas, basically, because everything, your job, it depends on like um, your creative ideas, then how do you sort of Think okay, this is um, this is good. This is what we should do. Like, because you were saying obviously before, creative people they need to like believe in their projects because something that's in your mind. Let's say you envision this cover for a magazine, you have to make sure that other people get your vision. But then, how do you like believe in it? Like, how do you, when you were thinking about a cover, did you just think okay, that's it? Like when you were twenty five, like how do you get to the point where you think okay, sort of like past the. I wouldn't say imposter syndrome, but this idea that okay, like yeah, my ideas are good. Like, how did you is it with experience or
1: well that idea of imposter syndrome, I do feel like you can never really escape it. Do you know what I mean? Like it in essence, it's probably a really healthy feeling because it stops you from being arrogant, I suppose. Um, you know, nobody likes an arrogant person and you know. I do much prefer myself when I'm being humble, that's for sure, and grateful and remembering where I came from and all that stuff. So the main thing that I think happened really was it was, uh, I was thinking it was like generational, the new gen coming through. And in essence, it was. But what the power of their um, of that was actually their relationships. So, you know, I felt like, you know, I was sort of talking about my identity crisis or my change of personal circumstance, becoming a parent. and you know um what was happening actually was that the people that were coming through were going clubbing together they were hanging out together they lived in the same neighborhood they were they were coming from the same wavelength let's say and i think i'm not to say that you can't be on the same wavelength if you have a different different personal circumstance but a lot of the power of what days stood for which what i was referencing earlier about being a family i felt the power of it was about being part of that family and that you know you all kind of coming from the same place uh even if that was physically and yeah i just felt like um also around that time the power of the stylist was like you know so someone like Nicola, who was like you know this sort of like stylist creative director come editor-in-chief come you know a bit like katie grand i suppose but it's like they they my relationship with him became really important because he became the editor over the time I was there. So um, it was really important to him that he had someone who, who spoke his language and who he perhaps had even enlisted himself to translate his vision, his creative vision. print. So, you know, I just was in, I mean, it's happened a couple of times, but when you're an inherited, you know, creative, And you've got a new incoming, you know, creative director or editor-in-chief or whatever. Like, that relationship is probably one of the most key relationships there. So it was that. It was, like, changing of the guard also. And commonly also means changing of the art department, not just the editor. So, yeah, it was all about that. So, you know, um, it, it touched on all those things, imposter syndrome, you know, like identity, you know, fighting for what you believe in. All of that. But what I think it what it really came down to in that um, particular um, case was, you know, the power of the the stylist who was sort of like coming through and became the editor and what, how and who they wanted to translate their vision. You know, and I think um, it was quite hard to deal with at the time. And I remember kind of like blanking this guy who, who, who Nicola had brought in this guy called Remy who is, you know, in his own life, fantastic, you know, guy. And I really felt like personally like, oh God, you know, you just, you know, you're so like, you know, you're awful. And, uh, and he came to like my leaving drink at a pub, which I didn't even want to be leaving. So I didn't want to have this leaving drink. And uh, this poor cool guy just, you know, I gave him right old cold shoulder and I felt like he had no clue how insensitive the whole thing was to me. And uh, eventually, you know, as you mature, and as I personally matured, I actually had to phone up this guy or text him. I can't remember how I communicated, but I just gave him my sincerest apology for behaving like that because it was so bad that I did that, and I felt so immature. You know, no one's perfect, of course, but it was such a learning curve for me, and it was to do with so many things. You know, it was to do with my um, my own uh, perception of it. It was nothing to do with him, essentially. It was all to do with me. And I really owed him that apology. And I felt so much better when I did it because, you know, I'm just... That's not who I was. It was quite, you know... I don't know how I was behaving, but I felt so bad and I felt so much better. And he accepted me. It was just like, what such relief? But you have to learn the hard way in life, don't you? So, yeah.
0: Can you maybe take, talk me through now what is your role as an art director? Like, today? Now they have sort of, like, told me what you like your, what you've been up to since today?
1: Yes. Um, so ne- right now, so I'm basically an art director, a freelance art director. Um, I have an agent that looks after me for commercial work. Um, I do editorial work primarily. So that's kind of what I would say is like the bread and butter work. And then the commercial work is, you know, anything in addition to ed- the editorial work that I do. Um, but yeah, my role as an art director, which I absolutely have, um, you know, developed over the, you know, the years, um, is essentially to kind of direct the imagery, and specifically, I'm a fashion imagery specialist, and um, the reason um, that I love that so much is is because it's sort of a, I mean. Being an art director, you get to kind of like you're this like neutral person on set on of a creative team that sees sees the, the like the original idea right through to the end result, and then it's just a bit like making a magazine or any creative process it's like you start with the idea and then you follow this you know this amazing journey and then output something tangible that you can present to people and then you get to you know have this um you know emotional resonance with them and uh, such a satisfying thing to do so yeah it's great i really enjoy it
0: okay so now we're going to move on to the basically i have two signature questions for the podcast um the first one is is there a book film or even a personality that has inspired your career decision so at any point in your career did you come across some piece of maybe like culture or like someone that you thought oh yeah this is what I want to do
1: oh wow gosh so many
0: Um... (laughs) you can give me a couple if it's difficult
1: (laughs) I suppose about sounding like, you know, some sort of cliche, but I think Madonna, you know, the recording artist, when I was young, seeing someone, uh, you know, as amazing in terms of like the videos and the confidence and the, the tours, they were just so amazing. You know, everything about it was just you know, impressive and inspiring and the music and the, the, uh, the dancing, the costume, everything. I absolutely loved Madonna when I was a kid um and then over the years like yeah definitely I mean going to art college you get exposed to all different you know disciplines of art and design and um I really love like documentary photography you know when I um embarked on like personal projects out away you know away from anything to do with uh paid work you know one of the first things I thought of doing was sort of an editor was a a documentary uh project with with you know different photographers um, so that, you know, that really speaks to me, sort of social, you know, social realism, uh, expressed through photography or captured in photography. I love that. Um, yeah. Other things that have really, like, captured my imagination. Yeah, I want to say like other, you know, sort of 90s things like Jean-Paul Gaultier, like his presentations, Galliano, Alexander McQueen, um, you know, or, uh, Vivian Westwood. Yeah, there's so many, there's just so too many to list. But yeah, I always always one thing I would say, not to go, you know, too um long for your answer, um, would be you know for any aspiring creative to really allow themselves to you know immerse themselves in any film, any music, any art exhibition, um, any experience whatsoever unrelated to you know creativity, like going for a walk in the countryside. Um, challenging themselves to any type of new experience, like enriching yourself in that way, it always comes out through my work. So as long, you know, if you kind of, um, you know, allow yourself to do that stuff and, and understand that you're kind of filling up the tank, so to speak, in terms of your inspiration, then it will all just positively output in your work. So yeah, I would really like encourage everybody to do the, everything to fill the tank up.
0: Yeah, um, and so my my last signature question, which I guess it kind of—I mean—you've given us already uh, many many different advice. But if there is one advice that you received yourself throughout your career that you would like to like pass on to people who want to work in your field, what would it be? Is there like one thing that stands out, like a piece of advice?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say the biggest thing I ever did was say yes to every opportunity Just say yes in general uh so every time I've said yes I've never regretted it like you know agreeing to go and do that show agreeing to you know ask put myself forward for that opportunity the original one with the face um just every opportunity you get look at it as an opportunity just say yes (laughs) that's it that's it Just, you're going to remember
0: thank you for listening to the first episode of the I work in fashion podcast I hope you've enjoyed and especially learned a lot from today's discussion with Phil make sure you subscribe and listen to the next episodes in the series where we will deep dive into more fashion jobs you can also follow me at I work podcast on Instagram and don't hesitate to send me your questions feedback or even ideas for future guests see you next time